It takes more than great unit test mocking skills to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 143. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software developers about non-technical topics and occasionally unit testing. Only at the very beginning, though. We have a couple, <laughs> not a couple, we have several wonderful patrons to thank. Thank you so much to these folks for supporting the show. Thank you to Chris Hogan, Nick Kantar, Zach Granin, Matthew Wodowicz, David Jackson, Arnut uh, Engelin, Fedor Rusik, Agile Ventures Charity, good old Sonic the Hedgehog, and Sean Clayton. They are <laughs> contributing at the level where we give them a shout out every single episode. So thank you so much. And thank you to everyone else who has contributed or is contributing at a, a lower level. We still appreciate it. If you want to contribute, you can go to softskills.audio and click support us on Patreon. All right. Should we read our first question? Let's do it. Let's just get right into it. Should we read it together at the same time or should only one of us read it? Um, I think you should start and then I'll cut you off partway through. <laughs> okay. Just for flow. <laughs> All right. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, I have noticed one of my coworkers, a fellow senior software engineer, often interrupts people during their meetings with his comments and thoughts. While I'm not against voicing opinions during a meeting, he does it so often that he takes over meetings. Some of his points are off-topic. He'll cut off the presenter or another colleague who displayed good etiquette, mid-sentence, not letting them finish their thought and derailing the flow of the meeting. In our last meeting, I tried to quickly respond to his interjections rather than let him finish so we can keep the meeting moving. I thought he would take the hint to think a little more before interrupting. Ineffective so far... <laughs> Dave, I'd really like to talk about unit tests right now. <laughs> I know you're saying words, but I don't care about the words you're saying. <laughs> I would like to address those comments, Jameson, but I won't. Okay. <laughs> I think next time, I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to continue quoting the listener here. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think next time I will recommend that all questions and concerns be held to the end so we can get through all the meaningful content before letting him speak. Any other suggestions on how to deal with people like this? Oof. Have you worked with someone like this or been around someone like this? Yes. Every team. <laughs> <laughs> every team. This does feel like a trope in software. I don't know if it is in the world in general even, but it does feel like it's pretty common to have someone who isn't uh, doesn't doesn't respect conversational etiquette. And I feel like I've seen it it all it takes is one person to lower the the quality of conversations because mm. you have to fight back against them and the most common way of fighting back is interrupting even more and then it <laughs> yeah. just becomes this interruption battle <laughs> and and quiet people who aren't willing to interrupt just don't say words ever yeah but that's fine because everyone knows quiet people are dumb <laughs> don't have anything important to say if they were smart they would have said something yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just you asked me if i've ever known anyone like this or seen this happen but you forgot one very important question are you this person? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to which I say, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if I interrupt people, but I definitely derail meetings sometimes <laughs> oh, yeah, with random me, thoughts. Me too. It's just so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, how would you fight yourself? <laughs> Well, see, I am I am simultaneously a meeting derailer, but I am also hypersensitive when someone ever says, hey, guys, I think we're a little off topic. I am just like insta-shamed, and I just shut down completely, <laughs> go right back on topic. You have a highly tuned sense of shame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very sensitive. Yeah. 
So all it takes is a swift, Dave, that's off topic, and then and then you're gone. If you so much as raise an eyebrow at me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone reaches for their drink on their desk, and you interpret it as them pointing at you. <laughs> I, I just, I love a good meeting tangent, though. Oh, man. Usually mine are, usually my tangents are all comedy driven. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't sound like this guy. No, probably not. Sounds like this guy's not easily shamed. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> and maybe they're hilarious and the question asker just forgot to state that. But Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. So there are two suggestions. One is interrupt them even more and just hint in your interruption of their interruption that it's bad to interrupt people. And then the other suggestion is kind of like passive aggressively say, hey, please, no one... No one, no one interrupt this meeting. <laughs> While staring right at the guy. <laughs> yeah, this person. And then have a meeting without any questions or comments. Bob, this includes you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you snap in front of their face while they're <laughs> not paying attention to that part or something. Yeah. Eyes on me, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I am, while I am also guilty of derailing meetings with great comedy and fun that everyone loves <laughs> <laughs> and really they're happy to be derailed because <laughs> your brains are refreshed and the ideas are better after <laughs> <laughs> yes so while i am that guy on occasion i am also a fairly fearless meeting restorer i can bring meetings back on track and uh, sometimes i get a little angry because you know, it's actually very easy when you have a bunch of senior opinionated people for a conversation to go off track. And even even two times this week, I've done this at work. And one time I did it pretty forcefully and, and said some things in heat that I probably shouldn't have. And I actually reached out to a couple of the people involved later and apologized just to say, you know, I, I'm sorry I shut you down so hard. I was feeling frustrated um, and I, you know, I shouldn't have done that. And I think it was okay. I don't think they hate my guts too badly. I, I think that both of the ideas that have been proposed here, which is telling everyone in the meeting that they have to wait to make comments until the very end, and the other one where you just quickly respond to the interjections and, and try to answer them you know, subtly, I think these are both really bad ideas. The first one is it just makes everyone suffer, you know, pushing it all to the <laughs> end. And the second one, like, obviously this person doesn't take subtle hints. And so... The way I do it is, as I just say, "Hey, we're we're off track here. I want to bring us back to the point of the meeting. And if there's something important that needs to be covered, I give assurance that we'll come back to it or schedule some other time to go through it, and and give my personal commitment to to arrange that. And that that tends to work. People tend to get the message pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. And I've seen it work pretty effectively to just say, "Hey, let's stay on track," because you probably have the backing of every single other person in that yeah. meeting <laughs> yeah. besides the person doing the interrupting. Exactly. Everyone wants to stay on track. <laughs> Everyone wants to get through it. No one wants to hear this person's random digressions and interruptions. So, And and if they're a senior, you mentioned senior software engineer, it means they've been working for a while. That means they should kind of know how it works and, and you're probably not super likely to offend them deeply by saying, hey, can you stop interrupting? Can we stay on track? Yeah. They've come this far. <laughs> You're not going to crush their yeah. soul. Yeah, and and I suspect that people like this, I mean, there are lots of cues that they are ignoring by doing this. And one reason for that could be that they just don't read subtle social cues well. Or another reason could be that they, they just need 
they need direct communication to understand. I guess that's the same reason. So mm -hmm. you saying directly like, hey, please stop interrupting is maybe less likely to offend someone that thrives on direct communication and struggles with subtle things. Yeah, for sure. I think we've talked about that before, kind of how some people who are more forceful are less sensitive, right? Yeah. Yeah. They need I a little so. they need a little high amplitude signal. Okay. All right. I want to see you in action, Dave. Can we practice? <laughs> Wait, I mean this whole podcast is a derailing like tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'd like to change gears and talk about unit tests again and mocking. And I don't really know a ton about it, but I'm sure I can say words about it. <laughs> and I will. I'll keep saying more and more words. <laughs> Uh, and not stop no matter what you say dave i could listen to you all day jameson oh okay so you just you just go along for the ride i love it <laughs> yeah i mean what what would you say specifically would you just say hey can we stay on track uh, so i i usually break my comments into two parts the first one is i validate the person's comments that they're an important topic and then i assert that they are a topic for a different meeting with a different audience and so i'll say something like yes i i do think that uh mocking skills in your unit tests is a very important and valuable part of a complete unit testing package and I would like to talk about that at a different time. Is it okay if we table that and now get back to the topic for this meeting? And I'll set up some time for us to go through that other thing later. What about the interruption part, though? So that smoothly handles the derailment, but it doesn't handle just talking over people. Is I mean, you could just say, hey, can you not interrupt people? So I would have to see this one. I was thinking more, yeah, I was just thinking, I was focusing mostly on just the derail tangent, but I haven't really thought about a chronic interrupter like how do you shut them down i, I mean i guess duct tape <laughs> do the job <laughs> i think you have to address that one directly i don't know that you can subtly hint not to interrupt people like yeah just see it happen and say hey please don't do it and and like in the moment or later i think you could do it in the moment i think Ooh. because that's that's when Fiery. it affects the meeting Right? And then maybe you talk about it with them later, but... You, sir, are interrupting. <laughs> halt! <laughs> yeah, jump up on the table, hold up your laptop like a talisman, shake it in their face, say, be gone. No, but th there's some power dynamics probably in play here where presumably there are people less senior in the meeting. Maybe there are people uh, that don't look the same way you do or, or, or uh, feel a little out of place already. And they're probably very unlikely to stop interruptions. So you have, I think you almost have a responsibility to make sure that people's voices get heard equally and to rein this in. And I think you could just say, hey, can you stop interrupting people and, and let them finish their thoughts before you talk over them? Yeah. I mean, it is a little spicy, but I don't know. They shouldn't be interrupting people. Like, I would, yeah, I, I agree with you, but I would probably handle it offline. I would probably say, hey, I, I want to talk to you in person and then and then say something like, I've noticed a pattern of interrupting and I think you're preventing some of the other team members from sharing because they're afraid of getting interrupted. Yeah. You could say, you could just say like, hey, I'd like to hear them finish their thought too, instead of, hey, you stop interrupting. Yes. And I have done that. When I've noticed that someone gets cut off by someone else, I'll usually wait for them to finish. And then I'll say, oh, so-and-so, I think you were, I don't think you finished your thought. Can you let us hear that now? Because a lot of times interrupters don't know they're interrupting. It's like that same sensitivity thing that makes them an interrupter. Yeah. I've also seen it in people that just 
generate ideas and they're they're they love solving problems and so they'll often jump in because they have an idea right then they have the solution and like they want to share it with people hmm now you're hitting a little close to home there jameson (laughs) (laughs) am i an interrupter or am i just really good at generating new ideas (laughs) and they expire they have just a really short half-life if you don't get them out there if i don't get them out there they're they're gone yeah uh, I am a talker, though. I'll tell you that. Boy, I gotta, I gotta be a little more reflect. Yeah, what's the word? Introspective now. Great. I'm gonna go to go to work next week and be all self conscious. This is just a masterclass of my subtle way of of answering the question. You you start a podcast with someone that has this problem. You wait until a question <laughs> three years later directly hits at them, <laughs> and then you answer it together, hoping to trigger some self realizations. Well, you did it. Nice. <laughs> you did it. Wow. All right. Hanging up. <laughs> yeah. I I think the broad agreement we have is that you need to be direct and don't punish everyone else by saying no one else can talk. Oh, for sure. This is a, this is a classic example of creating a process to solve a problem, and then the process becomes a new problem that's actually yeah. worse than the original problem. Yeah, because it turns all the meetings into presentations, and that's some of them are probably presentations, but... Not every meeting is a presentation. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do the PowerPoint. Then everyone's going to clap for 10 seconds. And then after the clapping, we'll have a brief (laughs) Q&A. Yeah. All right. Well, did we answer the question? I think think so. Good luck. You need to be armed with confidence. I'd say rush in there and do what needs to be done. With vigor and yelling. You want to? Yeah. And oh, we we forgot to mention, make yourself taller. That's so important. (laughs) Right? I mean, in these meeting settings, you want to take the room back, stand up on something. Booster seat. Oh, I did say stand up on the table. You did. You did. Um, I guess you should have some... You have nowhere else to go to get taller if you're already on the table, though. So maybe you need... Yeah, you need some some gradients in between. Yeah, yeah. Now we've answered the question. Okay, great. I'm going <laughs> to read the next one. This is from another anonymous listener. Hey guys, I have a question about setting limits to your work. I hear that it's a common practice among developers to set restrictions to their work, like turning off Slack notifications when at home, not staying late at work, etc. This seems like a healthy approach and I like it, but I can't bring myself to do it. I'm a successful developer, I love my job, and I love the work communication in our chat. I have no problems struggling through the workday, but I have problems not falling into work in my free time. I have a lot of friends, a lot of hobbies. I'm definitely not bored outside of work, but I still always have this inner desire to open and read the work chat when I have a free minute or finish an interesting feature in the evening instead of reading an interesting book. I can't say it makes me unhappy in some way or affects my private life. I will still go and see a friend if I'm invited and will still attend my yoga class on a normal schedule, but this desire distracts me sometimes and that's not normal either. Am I right? Hmm. So basically this person works a lot outside of work even, and doesn't feel bad about it, but feels like they should feel bad about it. (laughs) Right. Yes. Okay. (laughs) You should feel bad, but you don't. I absolve you of feeling bad. (laughs) There. (laughs) (laughs) That was easy. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this is interesting. So I am this person. Maybe, Dave, this is the flip side of the last question where you started a podcast with me. (laughs) <laughs> to get me to have some introspection. That Except was I don't re- go to yoga. <laughs> but yeah, I work more than I feel like I should. But I like it. <laughs> huh. 
I, I'm this person too. I, I I'm a compulsive. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, I check my email all the time. I check the chat all the time, and I don't know. Does it make me bad? Hmm. I mean, okay. I think it could be bad because it could be having negative effects on you that you're not seeing, or it could later have negative effects on you. But you could also probably do it and have it be fine. Uh, I mean, the standard advice is like go have a life and and stop working so much. But if you, I mean, what if you your life choice is that you want to work more? That's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. I mean, huh, one huh, way to huh. find out would be to say, do a little trial where you completely shut off work communication and have strict rules about when and where you work. And then, you know, me- try to measure the difference in some way. And th- these things can be hard to quantify, but you can usually make a qualitative statement about how you feel or how your friend. Oh, you could even bring your friends and family in on it and say, I- I'm going to make some changes, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. I want you to see if you observe any difference in me. That could be pretty hmm. cool. That'd be, that is really that'd be fun. So my dad used to work six days a week when I was a really little kid and worked really long hours. And then he went on a two-week vacation and he said he could just never work as much when he came back home. He just, I think that was the the most disconnected he had been from work. And it just kind of like shook something loose in him where huh. uh, he got out of the routine of, of working so much. And then he came back and was like, wait, why am I doing this? Um, so you could try stepping away for a while on a long uninterrupted vacation and see how that affects you. And obviously like probably don't work while you're on that vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that goes without saying, well, where did, where did your dad go and what did he do for two weeks? That's what I want to know. Nothing. He didn't do anything. He He went to Idaho. He stayed home. I mean, we went, uh, we went to like visit parents and cousins and stuff, Okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't like hike the Himalayas or, or some epic adventure. It was just like, I'm going to not do work stuff for two weeks. What should we do instead? And it was just kind of like hang out with extended family. Yeah. Just hang out, hang out with extended family. Yep. Well, I mean this, you could go, you could go hang out with my extended family. Actually, clearly. I was going to say the specifics don't matter, but maybe they do. <laughs> and in that case, uh, yeah, come visit my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> She'll change your uh, worldview. <laughs> my grandma is amazing. She's She's this fiery, fierce grandma lady. Oh. She's awesome. <laughs> Who's also a career coach. <laughs> Different. Well, yeah, indirectly. Different podcast, though. So part of it for me is management sometimes doesn't involve a lot of creation or coding or accomplishing technical tasks. And that's a lot of what I do during the day. So sometimes I will work during other times where no one can bother me. No one can schedule a meeting with me. No one can ask me to work on this plan or whatever. It's just like, what would I do if I had no one telling me what to do? And sometimes that's go off and make something. And sometimes I do that for work. But sometimes it's on personal projects too. And I don't think that's bad. Maybe it's bad because it's setting an expectation for productivity that isn't reasonable. Like if work depends on me getting this stuff done, but there's no time to do it in the day, then maybe there's an expectation that I'll get as much done as I do by including extra time. Yeah, that could be. You wouldn't want to set yourself up for with an unsustainable pace. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, like what if I stop doing that and then suddenly people are like, "Oh, Jameson, you're really performance is way down. This chart here shows that." Yeah. Hmm. Huh. I don't know. I feel like I'm having a hard time like doing the soft skills engineering make a bunch of jokes about this cuz <laughs> this is me and I'm I'm like wrestling with it. <laughs> I don't know. 
You know, I, I have kind of an unpopular view on this, which is I've been doing this for 15 years. Basically, you know, I have very fuzzy boundaries between when work begins and ends. Uh, and there have been times when it has actually hurt my my personal life a little bit and times when it has been no problem at all. And I think actually, and this is, I think, again, a pretty unpopular thing to say, but I think it's actually overall made me a lot more successful at work than I would have otherwise been because I'm available. Like people know they can reach me and and yeah, people could abuse that. But at the same time, they also know that I'm reliable and I respond when they contact me. So, hmm. you know, if something bad is happening and it could benefit from my help, like I'm usually available. Not always. And I do detach sometimes, but I think overall it's been a positive. Have you ever just burnt out and and, and had to pull back a lot? Because that's one thing I worry about is I'll just flame out and yeah. just be like, just get so sick of it and, and not work during the day instead of yeah. do extra work at night. <laughs> so so not only do you not work at night, you also don't work during the day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I've never had that, but when I have gotten like tired or bored, or that, those aren't the right words, but uh, sick of maybe sick of working on the same thing and there's no change in sight, I think that's when I will just pull back because I only do this when I'm interested you know, and engaged. And when I'm not interested in the work or it's monotonous, then I just don't do it at all. Like I have no problem disconnecting from monotonous, boring, uninteresting work. <laughs> so I don't just do it to like fill my time. I do it because it's like, yeah. oh, I want to work on that. Yeah. And that's what the question asker says. They're, they're finishing an interesting feature in the evening, which yeah. maybe that's cool. I think, it, I think it's I think, fine. I think it's, Maybe one question I would ask myself is if your extra contributions are being recognized or if it's, yeah, if it's setting the bar of, of what normal work output is from you. Do people know that you're working on stuff? Are you doing it to meet deadlines? Are you doing it to like push out fun, fun stuff that might not be like prioritized, but you think is important still or. Yeah. You know, we we had one engineer like this at my last company. He just worked like crazy. He was always excited and always happy and just always wanted to work on the next thing. And he would show up at work every day and we I would just be like, "Wow, you got so much done." And of course, whenever I talked to the other managers about this this engineer, all the other managers were like, "Oh, I'm really worried he's going to burn out." <laughs> like that was always the big concern. But after yeah. like 4 years, he never did. <laughs> like he never did. And I, all I can conclude is that he likes it. Like it's what he wants to do. So I'm not saying everyone has to be this way, but I am saying that if you are this way and you you work a bunch of extra time and stuff, well, surprise, surprise, you're going to be successful at work. Like leadership likes that. They see that and they're like, oh, wow, you, you work really hard. I'm not saying you have to do it to like meet the bar, but I mean, it's just kind of like a law of the universe. You put more effort in, you get more value out. So anyway, yeah. kind of weird, but like he never burned out. I've never burned out. I actually burn out more when I'm disengaged and not working that much, which is kind of maybe backwards the last sentence says this desire distracts me sometimes and that's normal either or that's not normal either i mean the desire to go work on interesting problems outside of work is that what that part means like distracts me from from fun outside of work activities i think what he's saying is that he thinks he should have a desire to to just disengage yeah but he doesn't and so he's like, that's distracting. Like, I feel, again, it's like you absolve, I mean, you already solved this problem by absolving this listener from feeling bad. So I don't know why we're even talking about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe one other thing to talk about is if you're doing this, try to make sure you're not creating an expectation or creating extra work for other people that aren't doing this. Yeah. So maybe don't send off a bunch of emails late at night or. or yeah, for sure. I don't know. Don't try and make other people work in this way, even if you are. 
There's a great Gmail plugin for this, by the way, where if you happen to be working at night, but you don't want to put that pressure on your coworkers, you can write an email to your team and you can say, send this email during working hours, like tomorrow at nine or something. And so you can get it all off out of your system and be done, but you can uh, have it actually arrive in your coworkers inbox at a reasonable time. All right. Yeah, that sounds great. Have we answered the question then? I think so. I'd say you're not in terrible trouble. Be careful. Watch out for burnout. Don't put an expectation on your coworkers. I I think the fact that you're thinking about this though means you you seem to be handling it in a pretty healthy way. That you're mm-hmm. at least recognizing, oh, I work out of work, and maybe that's bad. So yeah, then keep an eye on it. I mean, you'll you'll know if it's bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> if you have to ask if it's bad, it's probably not bad. But I would ask the people who are close to you if it's bad. Like if you feel, if you seem distant. Or, yeah. or uh, what's the word, like disengaged from them. Sure. All right, question answered. What can people do if they want their own questions answered, Dave? Go to the World Wide Web using a web browser tool of your choice to softskills.audio and click ask a question where you can write as little identifying information as you like. Please keep your questions brief. Three or four sentences is best. We get a lot of questions and it's hard to read all of them. And thank you so much to the people who have written in. The questions just keep flowing in we'll i mean we think we may be able to get to them all at some point but that's becoming increasingly unlikely so thank you thank you so much and i guarantee 100 percent we'll get to all of them i'm not backing <laughs> down dave this podcast is gonna go forever i love it you'll have to answer them on nights and weekends though that's fine <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much we'll catch you next week